0: Hello everyone! Welcome to this week's episode of Fire Dev, a fireside chat with people in the industry, people doing awesome and great things. Today, my guest is Ewa Mazur. How are you doing, Ewa?
1: I'm fine, thank you.
0: And you know, I had your husband on the podcast a few weeks ago, Andrzej Mazur, and both of you run the JS13K Games competition for anyone that hasn't heard of the competition or listened to that episode, which was amazing, by the way. Can you just uh, tell the audience briefly what the competition is?
1: Yeah, the competition JS13K Games is about preparing a really tiny uh, game uh, that will uh, be fit in 13 kilobytes. And that's uh, pretty it. That's, uh, That's the awesome part. Uh, about the competition and it's uh, mostly uh, run by my husband Andre Mazur as he said and uh, i am the designer and i'm also a person who sometimes takes part in the judgment <laughs> part um, sometimes i'm i'm the expert who gives uh, the feedback to the participants and uh, also, I'm the one who uh, is preparing cool T-shirts every year. That goes to top hundred participants.
0: So I have you to thank for the T-shirt because as one of the experts on the you know panels to judge the games, I received the T-shirt and you know a few. Did you design the other stuff as well? You know, like the patch, etc.
1: Uh, yeah yeah, um all the graphics connected with the with the Js for DK games uh, is uh, done by me. Um, yeah, that's pretty my job to cover all the design part and also give uh, the feedback about the design in games that are submitted.
0: So do you have a background in design or in art or graphic design, for example, or is it just a hobby? You know, like what is your academic background?
1: Yeah, that's, that's exactly what, what it is. Uh, I am, um, I have, uh, I, I was studying the graphic design and uh, after I finished my study uh, in Poland, uh, I started to um, work in the as a graphic designer in in uh, some companies uh for m- many years i was working in samsung uh, and i was also uh, a graphic designer there and was prepare i was preparing uh, designs for games um, and uh, yeah i'm pretty uh much uh connected with the with the uh design designing for games
0: so as samsung was you doing design for games or were you doing design for something else
1: uh yeah for in in uh, in samsung i was doing the designs for for games that was uh, simple games that we were preparing uh uh to show um, uh to show uh developers how they can uh you know uh, use uh, the tools that we are preparing for them uh how how they can uh um uh, sorry <laughs> how they can um um uh, sorry, I, 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 I don't know how to how to say it.
0: I guess you mean like how they can utilize them, how they can, you know, actually leverage the tools, like examples effectively?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's that's what I mean, yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, uh, so that was the, the deal there. And uh, it was, um, you know, the... Uh, really nice background to to get the knowledge what's important in uh, game design Um, because we were preparing um, many kinds of uh, games Uh, so in every kind of game there are a lot of uh, um, elements that are common and uh, there are many game design patterns that are uh, similar in many uh, type of uh, types of games.
0: So this, you know, graphic design that you did at Samsung is that when Samsung started doing Android phones, or is it pre-Android? The older phones that sometimes used to have preloaded games
1: yeah that was in in times when we were uh, on android that was uh from 2013 till i think 2019 um not all the time I was doing the game design. Sometimes I was moved to another team, but uh, I, I don't want to talk about uh, that kind of uh, specifics. Um, but yeah, that was the time when we were doing uh, games for Android.
0: Did Samsung ever publish any of those games or were they purely as examples for the developers?
1: I'm pretty sure there were uh, some... Um, some part of games uh, published on uh, forums for developers Uh, but i i really don't know uh, Mm. the access to that
0: yeah it probably is developer you know yes exactly
1: that was the part that developers were were um responsible for and I, i wasn't participating in that part
0: so whilst you was doing that work, what sort of tools was you using? Was it like Photoshop or was it something a bit yeah, different? Yeah,
1: um, I think uh, my main tool was uh, always Photoshop. Uh, <laughs> I was trying other graphics uh, tools, but uh, Photoshop is uh, the most powerful and um, when you get it, it it is really easy to do uh, graphic designs uh, for games in that program especially um, you know this tool is developing also it it developing constantly and uh, that's important when you uh, developing your own uh, designs and the tool that you're using is developing also uh that's pretty amazing
0: so you know as a graphic designer have you worked on any personal projects you know in terms of games
1: ah uh, yeah uh there is many of uh, other um projects that i'm into <laughs> especially uh personal um it's really from the from my very beginnings in two thousand ten. I was doing web designs, uh, posters designs, T-shirts. Um, um, wow, well, I can't even remember that <laughs> there was so many. I even you know uh, lately uh, were doing uh, cups designs for my daughter's class. <laughs> So there is uh, so many of these kinds of uh, designs that I'm doing and where uh, I I was doing uh, before that I can't even remember all of them.
0: Okay. And, you know, have you published any games or any of these, you know, pieces of work?
1: Uh yeah, all games that we were doing with Andre are available on our website EnclaveGames.com, and uh, that's pretty uh much of uh yeah, that that's what I um, where you can find my game designs. Also, there was uh, there was uh one uh game design. Really small but really fun that I w- was doing uh, using GDevelop. Um, it's uh, there as a tutorial um, on GDevelop uh, website. I-, I pretty think there is still there. It was uh, on some time ago. Uh, it's a uh, geometry monster. Um, and yeah that was the time that i could be uh i could uh put myself in the game developer role <laughs> uh because i was I, I prepared the game design and then using g develop i was trying to uh to, to code the game to prepare the code and with the GZ develop, it's much easier than, you know, programming.
0: Oh, yeah, I can imagine. So, you know, as a graphic designer, uh, and having worked on several projects, what makes good, you know, graphic design? Like, you know, a good artwork, a good design in a game, and what makes bad, you know, design?
1: Um, I would say that the most important thing is consistency. Consist- Let's see. Uh, can you help me with pronunciation yeah? Am I consistency? Yeah, in... consistency.
0: Yes, yes. 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 consistency. Keeping it the same. Or similar, <laughs> okay.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, that's very important. Um, so people can say that. Yeah, this whole product is one game. Mm-hmm. So uh, the gameplay, the menus. Uh, all the elements are in the same style um because sometimes when uh, we can see on that little projects uh, that developers are doing uh and don't know the rules, Uh, sometimes you can see how they use the main character graphics took from one source, and then buttons uh, took uh, taken from another kind of source, and they are not similar. They are in different style. And you can say that, oh, it's not consistent. (laughs) And you, you can't feel the magic of that product. Uh, I think the the magic is uh, made by the the one style in the one project.
0: Yeah, I know what you mean. I, I uh, as an indie developer myself, I, you know, I understand exactly what you mean. Especially when you're a programmer, you don't have access to an artist, or you know, it's a bit difficult for whatever reason. Exactly. So you might just get one piece of art. You might get a, you know another piece of art, and you know, individually. The, they you know serve the purpose, but they don't have like a similar design philosophy or color scheme and there can be a bit of a you know a mismatch
1: exactly and I also understand why uh, why it's like this uh because uh for developer, it's important that game will work itself yeah the code is working so it's like putting the mm, placeholders even um but for me as a graphic designer if there is no that uh, magic style (laughs) in the whole product then yeah we're talking about putting placeholders not the game design
0: yeah Uh, um but uh, it's not just you know, indie developers or you know, smaller games, it even happens with larger projects. You would think there would be consistency with one when you have a large project where there's hundreds, maybe even thousands of people that work on it throughout its lifetime. There can definitely be, you know, inconsistency. I feel like that is just a huge task in itself to keep it consistent when you're at that, lo- you know, at that size. The game that comes to mind is Medal of Honor from 2010, I believe. The single player used the Unreal Engine, whereas the multiplayer for the same game that was bundled in on the same disc for, on PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty used their Frostbite engine. So they literally used two different engines. You know, one for the single player, one for the multiplayer, and you you could tell the difference. Like the yeah. the multiplayer felt more like Battlefield because battlefield used the frostbite engine whereas the single player did not and uh, i mean a lot of people liked the multiplayer so it's not like that he wasn't like but there was clearly a divide and i don't think that's the best experience for you know gamers and just keeping you know a quality product
1: yeah it's like you're playing two different games right
0: (laughs) it literally felt like that like I said, the multiplayer literally just felt like I was playing a, um, I'd say a slightly different campaign of Battlefield. It was as if it was closer to having a DLC for Battlefield than it was a multiplayer from the damn Medal of Honor game. Uh, so so yeah, having the two different, I don't, I mean, one reason I can think is there was tr- obviously in the early days of developing and pushing the Frostbite engine often they was experimenting but the fact that they had two different engines
1: uh,
0: yeah it just seemed weird and even to this day 14 years later it's still something that when we talk about like a design mismatch and not being consistent you know it comes to mind because there was as soon as i played it i was like this doesn't feel the same this weird, like not not weird but because i played the single player first all of it then i had to go with the multiplayer it did feel weird not yes. in a bad way but just like you said not consistent and then i googled it and that's when i realized it's there's two different engines
1: yeah that's very interesting i didn't know about that but yeah it's it's like this and sometimes when you talk about some some projects you have your expectations yeah Uh, that uh, for example that uh, second part of the game will be in that that uh, kind of uh, style so if you're not keeping the style uh, there is uh, something something that that feels weird yeah
0: Oh, yeah, you know, you know, 100%. If it's the same game, not having a similar stuff, obviously you got to have some variety. Otherwise, it just feels, you know, you know repetitive. But if it just feels like it should be a totally different game, that's not good either. Sometimes too much variety is actually a bad thing, even though you might think as a developer, you're giving a gamer or a user more value for the money. What you're giving them is the value that you're giving is just less per level or, you know, per part of the game.
1: Yeah.
0: So what examples would you use as good, you know, games that are designed really well and why, and also games that are designed really badly and why?
1: Uh, I would not. (laughs) I mean... um... Oh, I, I don't want to talk about uh, bad designs because, uh, I mean, I don't want to give you uh, particular examples uh, because I'm not that kind of uh, <laughs> person who was who is talking, oh, this is bad, this is uh, uh, not good. Um, because um, I think in many even in those games that are not very good designed uh you can actually try to find something that it's uh valuable so it's not only about the design so uh if we talk about good designs hmm <laughs> i I wasn't prepared <laughs> very good to that, but i would say um do you know uh that game mini motor waves oh that was awesome game that, Is that was, on mobile uh it was uh yeah. Uh, I think it's it's mobile. I mean, I was playing. I, I was playing uh, on on uh, Apple Arcade in it. Um. Yeah, so, the game.
0: I I have played that one briefly. I I know the game and the type of game you mean as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So the the design was so minimalistic, consistent for sure, and there was uh, this mood, and um. I love the games that are even if they don't have uh, too uh, many elements. You, uh, as a player, you know exactly what to do. So that is the real minimalism. It's not, it's as many elements as you need, <laughs> and nothing that you can put uh, uh, add on it. So that kind of great games are really good uh, and well-designed.
0: Yeah, like, it's definitely difficult to find that balance between giving more, whether it's more variety in the levels or characters or different options in the menu, for example, because on the surface of it, if we just take customization in a game like options, and especially on mobile, it sounds good on the surface of it that you'll give more options that a user can actually toggle that can that they can actually change but if they go if a user goes onto the settings and there's literally a thousand different options one how do you know which ones are really the main important ones
1: yeah exactly
0: uh, two nobody wants to go for them so so you need to figure out those select few and then on top of that figure out exactly where you should really put them because sometimes The information or the options are important, but they're either repeated too many times in different places or they're in the wrong place. It just feels like, why am I being told about this here? This should be somewhere else, or I'm being forced to, you know, look at this, even though this should be an optional thing in the settings, in the menu, for example. So, yeah, having a, a, you know, figuring out which options, which design, which sort of elements, One make it into the game, but also more importantly, where they make it into the game as well. Sometimes you need to repeat it, but sometimes you don't. And you know, figuring out that balance is you know yeah that's the
1: that's the really hard uh, thing to do. And I think that it's very good when the uh, game designer is a game player also, because it really helps if you have uh, fun. From playing the game, then you will have fun from designing the game, and you will, um, maybe not know right away where to put all the elements, but you will have the this uh, idea uh, how not to ruin the fun from playing the game.
0: Yeah, I, I think a couple of ways and you know, pieces of advice that I would give in terms of designing especially figuring out what to put in there and where to put it is one look at look back at similar games that you've played that you've that you just really enjoyed don't ever try exactly. and think of it as games that you thought were well designed because sometimes you know it's hard to identify those think of it as the ones that you really enjoy playing because if you really enjoy playing it chances are it's probably well designed and that you just found it seamless You was you know the least amount of pain you know getting into the game you know navigating the game and then you know have have a look at that and see what options they have then on top of that once you put the options in your game what you know it's always good to play it and test it on top of developing and designing you know as you're playing it, and you'll probably be playing it multiple multiple times you know be conscious about what aspects of the game you're actually interacting with if you've got you know, a option on the home screen that you literally never use, then you might need to reconsider its place either on the menu, on the main menu, or in the game entirely. Because if you're never using it and maybe if you're seeing nobody else use it, you know, maybe it shouldn't be there.
1: Yeah, exactly. And maybe it's the uh it will um it will be good place for uh another thing. I mean uh for for the thing that you not even consider yet. Mm. So, yeah, that that place can have potential for something else. Yeah. Because I, the, I, the, yeah, because the place in the game is... Uh, mm, uh, I lost the word. Uh, you have not... Uh, you have... Had, um,
0: uh, sorry. <laughs> are, are, are you trying to say you have basically... Limited space. Yes, real estate. Exactly.
1: Thank you. It's like you're in my mind. Yeah, limited space in the game. Yeah, and uh, if you're considering uh, what elements to put, yeah, if you're not using the, that that uh, button in the in the menu, then throw it away and put there something that you really really need.
0: Yeah, you know exactly. I mean, on all form factors, you do have a limited amount of space, but especially on mobile. On like if we just continue the example of the main menu, how many options can you have in there? New game, load game, or continue. Settings. Uh, mobile usually doesn't have a quit option. Maybe a volume button, but maybe that's in the settings. Yeah, that is pretty much it. So you can have probably between three to five different options. Like, two like new game is going to be one of them. So you know can't really get rid of that continue possibly is or maybe you could bundle them into play and then on the separate screen have you know whether you're doing a new game or if you're continuing and loading a game so you could just do play but then you probably have settings so about half of the option like available you know uh, know, real estate space is already used by just general gaming design standards so you have to be very careful with what you're putting in there because yes you' probably probably be good if you do put something there because it's valuable real estate, but put something that the user probably is gonna want to you know have a look at
1: yeah, and that sentence that less is more it's I think it's really fitting in that uh, concept of game design because you really need to think uh, how to put less <laughs> in game design
0: oh yeah, one hundred percent amount of times. I play the game and I just look at the screen and I just think this is gonna take so long just for me to figure out what every option does. Then, on top of that, for me to figure out which one of those options are actually important for me to use, you know, often. And sometimes, if it's not something I'm really invested in, I'll, I'll just go away from it. They're like, that's the other thing, it's not just about giving your users a good experience, it's about retention. If you don't provide A good in like there'll be a minimum user experience required to keep the user. Obviously, anything above that is to make the user happy, you know, or happier and more fulfilled whilst they play the game. But they the level where if you go below that, they're just gonna go away, and that's the last thing you want because it's very hard to get somebody to download your game. It's even harder to get them to stay
1: yes exactly and i think that because i'm i'm 100 percent in that kind of uh thinking and and uh, i think that uh, it also uh fits to the idea of the js13k games because all the participants that take take part in the competition are also um forced to use the minimum
0: mm they are because obviously the you know the size limitations you know round j 13k so i understand you can't you know take part in JS 13k game because your husband is the person who runs it so they'll it'll be unfair for you to take part but yeah. have you ever thought about taking part in another competition and have you
1: uh, I mean, uh, it also would be very difficult because I'm not the programmer, yeah. <laughs> so how I would only all...
0: competition where you couldn't have a team, so you and Angel yeah. could do it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, we were uh, taking part in Global Game Jam many years um, in a row. So yeah, I really liked that. Uh, it was, uh, I think, it was our very beginnings in that game jam uh and we had so much fun uh and as i can remember we also um, have the, those uh, different experience because sometimes we didn't finish our game in the game jam uh sometimes we did that's uh how we uh, um, could find out what's important in game jams, uh because uh when you focus on too many things, then it's uh, there is uh, this uh, uh, you you cannot finish the project. So, so that's where we find out uh, what's very important, what's important in game, I mean game design in the whole game project.
0: Oh yeah, you know, you know, one hundred, you know, percent. So. You and Anj, you've got is it one child or two children?
1: Uh one 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 kid, yeah.
0: Or one child. So as a graphic designer and Anj as a programmer, have you ever made games specifically for your you know your child?
1: Yes, yes. We have that one project. Uh it called uh, Forest Cuties. Uh it started with my graphics for her. Um because uh Um, on the side i'm running the mama designer pl project that is blog with the graphics for kids it started when my daughter was born and i came to idea that oh it will be nice to put some graphics to her room and i started to do that i started to put that on the blog so other people could download it them and uh, I prepared the collection of cute forest uh, animals, and when Andrzej saw that, he thought it it will be nice to to put it in in game. And one of the most uh, um, favorite uh, mechanics of games uh, that our kids uh, liked was the memory game. Uh, you know where you play with cards with a par- pair of cards and you are you're looking for those pair that are matching and uh, yeah we did prepare the forest kitties game memory game for her and we published it also <laughs> i think it's uh, you can play it on enclavegames.com um uh, and yeah yeah so that we we were prepared the, the project and i hope it's not the last one okay
0: that's nice and what sort of you know games do you recommend you know if the parents listening know to this episode what sort of games do you recommend that they introduce their children to you know because obviously the, the you know some parents are concerned about you know their kids have been exposed to video games or certain games, especially violent games. But there are a lot of more fun and casual and almost educational ones as well. So what are some of your, you know, top picks for, you know, introducing kids to games?
1: uh yeah uh for sure I would first check the age of a kid because it's really important uh i think in when we talk about uh, small kids it's even you know um the difference between a four year old five year old uh it's it's huge so you will introduce uh other kind of games to the four year old and other for for five or six or or uh, even older. So the first thing is the age, and you need to check the uh, marks on games when you're looking for uh, games for kids. You always have to check the m- marks that they are uh, the pe- the Peggy signs that uh, they are um, okay to to the age of the kid and then the the other thing that i am always doing is playing by myself first because <laughs> sometimes the verification um uh, i believe that verification is made uh, very good but sometimes the the kid is not prepared to see uh, stuff from the game if there is uh i don't know for example kind of uh, animal that your kid doesn't like, then you will not show it to, to your kid. So you have to check the game by yourself first, then you can show it to your kid. And um, if I would be specific, huh, uh, my kid loves Tokaboka Life. <laughs> it's actually a very well-designed game um, where you can play... Uh, Kind of dolls and you can create your own um, Scenario for those those uh, dolls you can just put them from place to place and That's pretty much it but in The kids world the the stuff that they can do with that is it's amazing. I mean, they can play hours just putting the doll from place to place because they are kids and they have imaginary
0: oh yeah and you know, sometimes those simple tasks they just you kind know, of can repeat again and again and again sort of yeah and, and it's
1: uh, actually it's um, very important in uh, games uh, that are addressed to kids that they are not having this too much action
0: Oh yeah, like it it can be a bit overwhelming or a bit too yeah. exciting sometimes as well. Yes, exactly. Too...
1: Those calm games yeah. are very good to 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 kids, especially those uh, that are younger.
0: So you know, what's your opinion on giving mobile devices, tablets, you know, more specifically to young children? Because you know, tablets fifteen, sixteen years ago weren't really a thing where but since you know the ipad and the early android devices they've become very popular and you know some parents are heavily against giving their kids you know you a tablet or screen time and some you know because it's a way of distracting them for them to be able to maybe you know get on with the day and you know like do stuff like so, for example just tidying the house or you know doing the dishes or taking a break yeah. so you know what's your opinion on you know screen time
1: yeah, uh perhaps it's not uh, a very popular op- opinion uh because I'm pro <laughs> but it's not that simple. Uh I really do understand why people are afraid of uh, that kind of thing in the hands of uh, children because yeah, it's not kind of toy that you can put uh, left with your kid and just you know let them play you have to keep the control what they are uh, using it for and uh, also that control cannot be destroying all the play (laughs) and that's a very uh, tough uh, task to 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 do because you have to have control and not destroying the play it's balance here it's really it's really difficult to have Um, but I think that tablets, telephones uh, smartphones, uh, computers they are just in the future in those kids future so we I think we can't uh, forbid that kind of stuff to them because they're gonna use it anyway (laughs) Uh, But it's our responsibility to introduce them to this world in a smart way. So show them the possibilities of it. Show them that they are only tools. And most important, show them the world outside as much attractive as tablets are.
0: Oh, yeah. Like, I think it's important... Showing them that there's you know advantages, and then there there's also aspects to enjoy from you know screen time inside, especially, but then going outside as well. But it's also important to not almost put it as a kind of a chore, as a punishment of you know, we, you know, we have to go outside. Should be like we get to go outside oh It's sunny. It's not raining. We can go outside now. We can play and do things outside the ball or if it's raining we can sit inside and we can maybe because you know one thing i'm looking forward to when my kids get older i've got two kids is being able to play video games with them and you know especially games like you know mario and mario kart yeah. and, and, so, and you know i'd say a lot of other racing and adventure games And you know, I think it'd be great to be able to say, you know, let's play a co-op game together. Let's play some old, you know, classic game together. You know, something like that to have a bonding experience. So that way, you get to have fun, but you know, your kid is also very happy, and they get to have fun as well. But I think you made a really good point, and you know, it resonates with how I, you know, think about it as well. Is don't ban the actual form factor which is let's say a tablet control the actual content so you know if somebody if your kid wanted to read a book Mm -hmm. you wouldn't ban them from reading a book but if all they was reading was you know magazines about fashion or let's say magazines about you know gossip for example you know gossip magazines you would probably say, you know, that's a bit too much of that. But if they wanted to read, you know, biographies and maybe some fiction and, you know, also business books and motivational, but you know, stuff that's positive, I don't think you would say you're reading too much. You'd be like, that's good. So I think it is very important to identify what are they consuming and, you know, act accordingly instead of saying, oh, all screen time is bad or all screen time is good
1: yeah exactly i i am uh, agreeing with you uh because when you say screen time it also contains the uh, for example a video conversation with your family or uh searching for when you have kids in the school searching for some school stuff so um, so yeah um, you can't say that all the screen time is bad uh but also uh, how, uh i i think they are uh, working on some uh i i forget the word when scientists are searching for answers is um researching yes <laughs> thank you very much uh there are some research uh, that uh, shows that the balance between screen time and the uh, time outside is um the most important here so when you keep that balance everything's fine everything should be fine oh
0: yeah and i feel like the kids that have too many problems with screen time in terms of like they're basically hooked to it are the ones that haven't had the balance from a young age and that's more on the parents where they haven't being exposed to you know going out because you no know, my daughter she, you know she's only twenty she's coming up to twenty two months so just shy of two years she you know she loves a, any screen time she can get whether it's a tablet whether it's TV you know she she she's always we always have the TV on with some of her educational cartoons but if I say to her let's put your jacket on and take you outside she jumps at that like she, she wants to go outside because she's been exposed to it and she enjoys it. Like she brings the shoes herself. Like she she'll probably bring it a, in a few hours and it'll be like ten PM at night time and be like, okay, it's too late now. But like she'll wanna mm-hmm. go out. But again it's that exposure from a young age that she's like, okay, I I enjoy it. It's something alternative. This is, you know, nice. And I think that's a huge problem is a lot of kids because they don't have the fun exposure of going for a walk, maybe going out to play. That by the time they're hooked, they're probably other not six, seven, eight, nine, ten. They don't want to go outside. They just want to be inside, and then they have other, you know, behavior behavior problems associated with that. It's not something that I think happens overnight. It takes a a, a bit of time, and it, it is definitely on the parents to you know like i said get that balance
1: yeah yeah uh what what you say is yeah uh, the the most important thing here is that from the very beginning when kids are seeing the fun uh because games are giving a lot of fun so when we show them that outside world is having as much fun as the games uh then they will not feel that they are missing something here uh that the adventures outside can be fascinating for them and uh, they are they will choose those Uh, and it's yeah it's i think it's very important to do this uh at the very beginning but Also, uh, we have to remember that um, kids always will choose the fun. And it's not only kids. I think uh, people in general, uh, if they can choose, they will choose something that is more fun to them. So uh, I I don't want to say we have to control, but we have to... Um, being on the same page with our kids what gives them fun so when teenager is uh, searching for something in games we we need to know as a parent what uh, he or she is looking for so we we need to know our kids and the boundaries you were talking about when you were playing w- with your kids uh, it also can ha- be happening when you have teenagers you can play with them <laughs> i don't know if they if they would do that um as uh no uh if they would love that the ki- the kids teenagers would love to play with the, their parents but but yeah if, if we're interested in uh our kids lives uh, and things that they they interested in uh then the boundaries are made so that that's the balance uh the pro- the, the problem here is not the games the problem here is to know our kids
0: Oh, yeah, and it definitely when you know if you're talking about you interacting with the kids, you playing with the kids, whether that's video games, whether that's outside, going to the park, you know, whatever it is, you know, playing with your kids. It, I've pretty much every kid will want to play with their parents, but if they don't get enough of it, you know, enough opportunities, and it's always turned down of you know, parents saying they're too busy or they don't want to play. Sometimes I see this in parents where they find the activity that the kid likes boring and they don't enjoy, it, so they don't want to, you know, do it. And I think that's a real shame as well. That's one thing that I really like that I by myself that I like video games is that when my kids are a bit older and they can play, them wanting to play video games is not going to be a chore for me how difficult for me as it is some other parents it's gonna be something that i'm gonna really you know enjoy but yeah it, it, but going back to my you know the point i was making it, it gets to a point where a kid will just stop asking like their parent because i remember you know growing up like you know constantly asking you know like you know my dad, you know play this or play that and it gets to a point where if if you keep getting the answer of no it's just like one you know what the answer is going to be so you eventually stop asking And two, you don't want that rejection. So, a lot of things, it's take time, good or bad, especially the habits to develop, and you know the, you know the situations to form. So you have to understand that and realize that if it's got to that point, you you as a parent are probably partly to blame, even though it sounds a bit harsh, but you know it's just the way it is
1: yeah yeah that that yeah exactly I am one hundred percent agree with that because if the parents um they need to understand i mean we <laughs> we need to understand that games are gonna be in our kids' lives uh even if they're not gonna play uh but they are in the the games are the part of the world. So it's going to be in our kids' future. And if we're saying, oh, all games are bad and my kids are mm, they are losing time because of the games, uh, then the, the real question is here, what I did um, so my kids wouldn't play so much? Uh, did I spend the time with them when they needed? uh because they choose fun over uh those uh, hard things and it's understandable um so yes when we as a parents uh would discover how to use games in a good way how to develop develop with by, uh, using games mm, develop the skills in our kids Mm. then we can say uh, that games are good they are not destroying our kids Uh, but we have to be aware um, how to use them Mm. and that the the fun is also uh, the part of the life and the most important thing is to keep the balance.
0: Oh yeah, one hundred percent. You know, having that balance is, uh, I think, balance in general is very important and also you know very key. One thing I you know wanted to you know ask is you know whilst running JS thirteen K games with your husband, you know you've been doing it for is it thirty is is it thirteen years next year.
1: <laughs> Yeah, this year edition will be 13. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. This year, sorry, it's 2024 because I, when I recorded with RJ, it was, <laughs> yes. it was last year, technically. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so then we were saying next year. So yeah, yeah, actually, this year. So yeah, it'd be 13 years this year. So over a decade. And, you know, having met a lot of great you know, developers, having loads of obviously winners as well, uh, you know, the wealth of knowledge you have in graphic design, the knowledge that Angé has, you know, programming and all of that combined. Have you ever thought about doing something in the educational space, you know, together and maybe in conjunction with JS13K, especially with the winners, maybe them talk, like creating courses or videos, talking about how to make games? Because, you know, obviously the winners have amazing games, like for, you know, for the time limit and for the form factor of, 13 kilobytes have you ever thought about something in the educational space like that really going deep into it
1: oh my that would be a dream come true i mean uh yeah i think we both were thinking and um, about about this kind of uh stuff but mm um, uh you know uh I I really li- would like to to try with the educa- educational path uh, that's I think my dream from the from the very very beginning um but yeah uh I think the decision uh, first of all the decision is not mine <laughs> so um uh i'm not the one who who can tell you say tell you the the answer the mm, but uh, i can tell you that yeah we we were talking about that and we were thinking about that and if it ever gonna happen i can only say that i wish
0: yeah i think it would be you know fantastic because you know, there's a lot of value in any field when you have experience, and obviously the experience that you and Anjay have, and then like I was saying, all the exposure to all these games, all the exposure to all these developers, I think that's a huge, you know, advantage of what you have, like, you have a relationship with these developers, I mean, it's not just the winners, the runners-up, or, I mean, obviously in every year, I'm sure there'll be games that are bad, obviously, but even if you don't, even if they don't win, there'll be several games that are really close, and they'll be they'll have great developers and you know great stories to tell and great tips and tricks. I I, I think that would just be an amazing you know platform. I, I think it'd be great if you guys. Made a YouTube channel. Actually, maybe you've already got one, but specifically publishing. You know educational content you know, obviously you're doing showing how to do graphic design and then but, you know some of the stuff we've discussed you know what makes good design for example good examples and then obviously Andrew doing the programming side then getting you know winners on on the part you know on you know the youtube channel and plus his exposure for them as well as the youtube channel grows they talk about their game why they chose the technologies they chose why they chose the design and the you know the game ideas they chose, how they executed it, the problems that occurred. Then maybe if they're interested in doing like a mini few like series of you know making something from scratch, I think there'll be a lot of you know value in that. I think you and Andre are in a really unique position, equipped to be able to go ahead with that. So I I think that's something I would love to see you and Andre do
1: yeah that's really awesome to hear and that would be awesome to to do and as you said uh, year after year we had so many of great games Uh, i'm always amazed how people do that kind of stuff how they put such a, such an amazing games in 13 kilobytes and I'm always am- amused and yeah um, as I know there are a lot of uh, post-mortem articles every year Andrzej mm. is asking people to do that but putting all this stuff in one place and uh, throw it as an educational platform would be amazing thing and <laughs> I I really wish that this uh, would happen.
0: Yeah, I think it'd be you know amazing, and I think it's definitely so. Uh, I mean, it's definitely something I would love to discuss with you, and Because because I think it'd be great for the community. Because like I said, it's you're in a position where you have access to all these developers, and many of which will gladly do it that most people just don't. Like the average person could, you know, contact because you had over a hundred. Um developers enter this year? I mean, last year, did you? Over 100, was it?
1: Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure with numbers, but I'm pretty sure that it was even more than 200.
0: Oh, was it? Yeah, so, you know, you have access to so many developers on a regular basis. And also another great thing is last year, or like the most, I'm I'm not going to say last year, because that makes it sound like the you know, previous, previous competitions, like the most recent winner, uh, he had, because en- I've had him on the podcast as well, you know, previously, and, uh, you know, after he won, after I had Angé on, he said he had entered other competitions as well, of the JS13K in previous years, so having him, you know, be able to talk about his journey from not winning for multiple years, to winning, you know, what did he do, you know, was there specific things he focused on learning or putting in the game or not putting in the game? How did he grow as a person? Because I, th- I think that's amazing as well, that you've got people, and I'm sure it's not just you know him. I'm sure you've got multiple people that have entered multiple different years, and that's huge value to see that sort of arc of somebody.
1: Yeah, I also can think about... Uh... Some other people uh, have amazing stories, uh, how they find the jobs after these in k games, how they, yeah, exactly how they de- developed. And uh, also mm, sometimes uh, when they're showing uh, the process of building their uh, uh, game is also amazing, how they, how they talk about it. Uh, because one thing that you can say for sure uh, those people that are taking part in just for Dinky Games are um, passionate about games and they are awesome in, in talking about games and uh, they are amazing people.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, this is just another thing that I thought of well, that would be great, let's say, you know, on the YouTube channel or the platform is career interviews. You know, you said that People have got jobs after JS thirteen K. You know, having exposure, having you know the experience and something that they've shown. You know, off to the world and to you know potential employers. You know, interviews with those people, and then you know, you know, and in general, interviews with the developers and you know what they're working on. I think that's you know a great thing, especially you know if you have someone five years ago and you have them on again, like you know where they are in you know, five years later, what are they working on? And I bet you there's some people that started a game five, ten years ago that are that's still working on that game, still trying to refine that one, you know, passion project. And, yeah, I think it I think it would be an amazing, you know, thing that, you know, you and Andre could do with the educational space. Uh, And obviously yourself could do a bit, like, outside of the EJS 13K, focus a bit on the, you know, kids and ed- in the kids you know video game edu- you know side of things, I know you're passionate about that as well
1: yeah yeah I would really love that gonna happen and also my really mm, big dream uh <laughs> would be when if we if we create a, a category in js for the k games uh with the games that are um uh, f- prepared for kids, so um, they are created with the kids in mind.
0: Yeah, I think that'll be you know, I think that'd be fantastic. Either you know, as one of the themes of one of the years, or as a separate sort of competition as well. You know, you know creating games specifically for kids because there's a lot of games out there, there are you know first-person shooters or you know shooters in general a bit more adulty you know more complex even if it's not violent it might just be a bit too complex for a kid as well because it's not just suitability in terms of violence or like that's the obvious one that people talk about when it's when they talk about suitability but it could be suitability of just accessibility a five-year-old is not going to be able to process a game the way a 15 year old that's been playing for 10 years can so having something you know for for the developers in the competition to think about not just okay I've got to create a game that's kid friendly from a you know a the perspective of it. it can't be too violent can't have too much you know have or have any you know sex drug or references or anything like that but it needs to be playable easily for a child for like a 6 7 year old 'Cause they can't be have too many options and on top of that you can't have too many sort of references, even indirectly, to other games and game genres that you would just expect people to have played, whereas a kid may not have played it yet. So it needs to be a bit more dumbed down. So I think that would be a very interesting, you know, lesson on design for the
1: developers. Yeah, and that's that's exactly what we were talking about at the very beginning that minimalism in the game design and that would be perfect category uh for uh, to, to practice uh, the good patterns of uh, design and how to design in the way that that is readable even for four year old
0: exactly you know having a the having it accessible in the you know For most people, especially you know, a young child, you know, as well, you'll definitely be, you know, something that they won't be used to, and I think that'll be an interesting challenge for them,
1: yeah.
0: So, you, you know, after seeing all these developers, probably over a thousand, I'm guessing, over the years that enter the competition, what are they, you know? common either traits of the developer or the games that you see that make up the winners. There must be stuff that you've seen that you think okay it can it, it keeps consistently appearing.
1: Um could you could you please rephrase that because I'm not sure if I understand it.
0: Okay, so what I'm asking is you you've obviously had like a lot of developers on the podcast not on the podcast on in the competition over the years, over like the last 13 or so years, Uh, you know, is there anything common that you see in the developers or their games in the winners more specifically that you think, okay, you keep seeing it and there's probably something in that, that that makes a winning developer or a winning game.
1: Yes. Yes. I think the, the, mm, that, that thing that is kind of magic (laughs) Uh, you can say when the developer is really uh, polishing the game uh, if the game is not rough if the game is polished having this inconsistent and having this every detail Mm, is mm, very well taught, Uh that you can feel it and those are those games that are winning those polished games those games that are made with love I would say that
0: well, the games that are made with love and you know like you said there's a lot of refinement and you know, polish to those games. So that's pretty much it in terms of, you know, questions that I have. Actually one question, you know, one more question that I have before we get onto like a fun round of rapid fire questions that I always do at the end of all my podcasts. And that's as a graphic designer, what advice would you give to somebody that's starting out, you know, looking to get into the industry and, you know, to develop artwork? for games and in the gaming industry you know what advice tips and tricks would you you know give to them
1: oh i would say the one thing that i heard at the very beginning of my career from the older graphic designer <laughs> with the more experience than me and he said i remember that uh, very clear if you want to do the games just do the games
0: yeah, I mean, I've heard that a lot, you know, multiple times, and I've said that multiple times as well. You know, if you want to make something, just begin. Like, there's so many times that you can just overthink it. You know, you know, para- para- paralysis by analysis. You know, is another way of you know saying it. And you know, you just never you begin. You just think, oh, I don't have enough information, or enough skills, or enough resources the timing isn't right, like you have a million excuses, but like, you know, just begin and then you'll start, you know, it's difficult to see the way without actually stepping, you know, on your journey. And then you start seeing a little bit clearer, a little clearer, and then you see, okay, I need to learn this. I need to improve on this aspect. It might take a bit of time, but whereas if you never start, you'll never finish
1: yeah and you'll never find out if it's your way uh and how to how to go farther and even if this is this sentence is not mine, but i, I love it uh, and I use it uh, in conversation with my kid and I'm constantly using it uh everything is hard until it's uh gonna be uh easy, so yeah you have to try. You have to practice. Then, after you do mm, the the first steps, then you can say it's too hard. But if you're not uh, letting yourself to try, then you will not know.
0: Oh yeah, you definitely need to begin, give it a go. I think you owe it to yourself. So yeah, I think that's some definitely some great advice. I think that's the. Probably some of the best advice, you know, in general is begin, have a go. And then even if you fail, learn from that failure and you really haven't truly failed until you actually decide to stop and give up, then you've failed. But if you learn from it and improve and improve slowly, just iterate, then you are slowly succeeding. Yeah. So... Like I said, uh, we're doing a rapid fire round of fun questions. Are you ready for that?
1: Um, could you, uh, please tell me again what we're gonna do?
0: Uh, so, so it's, uh, the last few questions are always a slightly, you know, fun topic questions, and it's just like a quick fire round.
1: Okay, I w- I would try. Okay, yeah, I'm okay. ready.
0: Okay, so the first question is. Would you rather have I I'll use you know American dollars as the reference point. Would you rather have half a million dollars a year for the rest of your life or five million up front and why?
1: Um, <laughs> um could could you could you explain me that please? Okay. Uh... So, so
0: so what I'm asking is if he was given the option to have either $500,000 every year for the okay. rest of your life, or yeah. you can have $5 million in one payment, and then you don't get any more, you know, from okay. this person, which one would you choose?
1: Okay. <laughs> um, wow. I never thought about that, but I think, I think I would choose the first option so the payment uh, every year um and why because uh it creates me some kind of uh, um safety uh feeling that i'm that i have uh Money covered, and I could do the stuff uh, for uh, funny stuff for a long, long time.
0: Okay, uh, I mean, you know, makes sense because you have the consistency of you know the income. So next question is a free parter. What's your favorite movie, video game, and board game?
1: My favorite movie. <laughs> oh my god. I think my favorite movie is extraction uh, I don't know why it's uh really amazing uh cinemagraphic uh the pictures are there are amazing and it's full of action um my favorite game would be Tetris. <laughs> I I I love that game because it was with me at the very very beginning of my life. Uh, uh, I think that was the first game I, I was playing and a board game. I would say um, we have this game uh we bought for our kid. It, it with snails. It calls I think it's called Snail Run. Something like this, um, when you uh, actually uh, try not to win.
0: Okay, you try not to in snail run. Sounds. Hmm. I haven't heard of that one, but I'll Google it. I'm
1: thinking if it's if it's Polish game, it, it's really it's really uh, possible uh that it's polish game we for sure we have it in polish version so i'm i'm not sure uh even if i translate correctly the name of it um
0: is it called Snail sprint or snail maybe, race
1: maybe snail sprint i i don't really know
0: yeah cuz i just googled it there's a few that come up with that name that kind of looks like is it like literal physical snail pieces and it's like a grid
1: yeah i think yeah yeah
0: yes yeah, snails pace race or snails wraith. okay okay uh, i mean i'll i'll have a look at that and see you know how that works i'll watch some youtube videos i think that'll be you know interesting uh how old is
1: your kid uh she's now she's eight. Oh my god <laughs>
0: uh, uh, at what age did you start you know playing uh, what age was she able to really play games uh, and uh, board games
1: board games for sure when she was really little uh, I even remember that I was uh, when she was 2 I was preparing uh memory games uh, for her I was doing the graphics and uh, cutting out the cards and giving them giving those uh, to to her so board games were for sure uh with her from very young age and i actually i can't can't remember when we gave her uh the smartphone with the game so she could play by herself but i'm sure That even if she were, uh, she were two, she was able to watch us playing uh, mobile games. So I think it it was earlier than average kid.
0: Okay. Yeah. Plus, I I guess it's the exposure and the fact that you and Angie are heavily into that world of gaming and entertainment that. She's exposed to it, so she, you know, you know, becomes used to it effectively.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's that's what happened here, and uh, yeah, she she knows that this is our job. She knows that we're trying to tell her that uh, other kids are not having these privileges uh, with with. Uh, um, with mobile and with with game, mobile games so um, so she would be aware that that she's in another p- position here
0: oh yeah she's a uh, like in a very you know, privileged position and that's something i want to you know make sure my kids are aware of that as well like they're very lucky to have the toys they do and you know the life they have and like to, you know, to live in a country that's not war-torn and you know there's a lot of things to be thankful for and it's very easy you know as you're growing up and even as adults that you get just you know busy with life that you forget that and you just think that small things are the end of the world when they're really not so you know what game are you looking forward to? Did you still actively play video games outside of games with your daughter?
1: Um uh yes, but only those small games that uh are actually not having continue um, but uh um, I don't know. Um when I was a teenager, uh, I was playing sims uh so i would love to to play sims again and i heard that the, they uh were updated very well now it's i i think sims 5 technology <laughs> and i would love to to play that game with my daughter also so maybe in the near future
0: okay uh, uh yeah there's there's always new sims you know DLC or updates or yeah. new games coming yeah. out it's...
1: and and maybe not with my daughter not yet but I was also uh on study I was also very much into GTA I don't know how to say it in English GTD I don't know Grand, yeah. Tifa, Grand Theft Auto
0: oh, yes Grand Theft Auto yay. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah, so uh I hope that Andre also will uh want to play that and, and yeah, I, I I could be able I, I would be able to play it too.
0: Oh yeah, like, are you looking forward to the new Grand Theft Auto? Yeah, yeah. I mean
1: year. I hope we will have that game. Uh <laughs> I mean I'm always, you know, uh I'm always watching that Andre um uh, is into investing in the games and then I could play uh, because he bought bought the game, so I'm like a you know person that taking advantages because he he likes the game.
0: Oh yeah, you know I I think that helps when you both have you know similar interests. Cause me and my wife love video games as well, and because I buy most games, major games that come out. Uh, like she, she's a, she's always excited because the game that she's looking forward to, like Assassin's Creed. She loves Assassin's Creed. No, I I'm not as much of a fan as her, but I'm still a fan. But I, you know, I'll buy, and you know, she'll play. You know, she loves it as well. So, you know, there's definitely an element of that where she just enjoys the fact that we have all the latest consoles and we've got you know the latest game because I'm into it, and you know, she can enjoy it as well.
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's the same situation in in our home.
0: (laughs) So, uh, final, you know, question it's a two parter does money buy you happiness and why and what does a good life mean to you
1: um i would like to say no they not uh because yeah they there are really more important things in life uh than money but i would like to think i mean I I really like the uh, idea that uh, I have money uh, and there are enough uh, of them that I can uh, have a normal life. Don't be aware about the bills. Don't be aware about the stuff to my kid. And if I have that much money, then I can find out the happiness in other things. So if i have the, those um daily routine covered then i can find the uh, the uh adventure in my life and i think the adventure and um uh, uh, the opportunity to feel things are making us happy
0: oh yeah that makes total sense like having you know money does help with you know the freedom you know being able to pursue what you want in life being able to enjoy certain things that you otherwise you know might not be able to so that's it for all the questions for today's episode of fire dev ava i just want to thank you for coming on to the podcast today it was a pleasure having you on and hearing about the work that you do at JS13K, you know, graphic design, and just, you know, overall advice for people looking to get into the industry as well. So, Ava, thank you very much.
1: Thank you very much. It was really nice to talk with you.
0: And I just want to thank everyone for listening to this week's episode of Fire Dev. and I'll see everyone in the next episode. Bye-bye.